Hey, this is Stevie Rochelle from Tough and Metal Sludge, your favorite website. You are locked and loaded on the Music Mania Podcast. You ready for some screaming heavy metal? We rock! But the evil that men do lives on. We gonna bang your You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here is your host, Clint Schweitzer. Hey, Brian, how's it going, man? Good, how are you? Hey, it's great. It's Clint from Music Mania. I tell you, it's it's a just a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I'll tell you what, though, I'm, I'm looking outside at about six inches of snow here in Kansas City. I'm just going to hope that you're somewhere a lot warmer and more exciting than this, my friend. <laughs> it's, uh, it's gray and just about to rain here, too, in the desert, Palm Springs, California. Oh, okay. But uh, we'll, we'll make it through. Yeah. Yeah, you're a Southern California guy, man. And I have some friends that are from down there, and it's like, you know, they, they they just can't really bear to live in Missouri. During the winter, it's like they they got to get out of here, and I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you guys. This is this is I'm from here, and it's it, it, I can't handle it. So, <laughs> it's a lot, man. It's a lot. Well, I tell you, a lot going on with you. It's a it's a busy year, and a lot of a lot of great things happening for you, man. Um, I got to start with this uh, the single "Tears of a Clown" um, you've recorded uh, with Smokey Robinson. I just kind of want you to get into this. How did this? kind of come come to be i know that it's kind of a song that you um you know like to play a lot live in your set and you've you know kind of had some um connections with Smokey, you know dating back and uh, before this but kind of how'd this come about and and how'd you make this happen yeah man uh so so many years ago uh at about age six seven i got a transistor radio and uh i was addicted to that thing and i would take it into my bedroom with me and I was supposed to be asleep but really I was listening to a pirate radio station blasting out of Tijuana Mexico at nighttime only see during the day it was like Mexican radio with a, a evangelist kind of uh, bent and at night it turned into a rhythm and blues pirate radio station with a great DJ who just sort of captured my imagination, who would later become very, very famous, a guy named Wolfman Jack. Yeah. And uh, Wolfman loved him some R&B and some doo-wop and some early rock and roll. I mean, he really had great taste in music, a great curator uh, for the radio. And uh, he introduced me to a whole world of music that had gone unnoticed heretofore. And... Uh, you know, I, I was into rock and roll, like Elvis and Little Richard, Chuck Berry, but I wasn't really familiar with all the roots that that music came from, you know? And so here was this guy, uh, uh, Wolfman Jack, playing me all the stuff that informed all of my greatest new artist uh, idols. And uh, among those was this new cat named Smokey Robinson with his band, The Miracles, Sing and shop around and go into a go-go and uh and i just thought oh man this guy is like the coolest thing since sliced bread 
Yeah, so there I was at six years old, first introduced, she first got introduced to the scene, and I couldn't have been more excited about it. Uh, so years later, uh, he cut the song The Tears of a Clown, which he wrote along with Stevie Wonder. A lot of people don't know, but yeah, along with Stevie Wonder. And that song was unreleased for years. And then finally in 1970, they go like, wait a second, this Tears of a Clown thing could be a hit. And they put it out in 1970. But I think it was recorded like 65 or 66. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. In any case, there was a super, super enigmatic recording, uh, a great arrangement, a kind of an ambitious arrangement with oboes and and uh you know bells and a big arrangement and i just thought it was the coolest song and it was interesting because it was a very happy melody and a happy beat and it was the saddest of possible lyrics so it was like you know the morrissey of his day you know like singing a super positive major scale melody while singing the most sad lyric ever about feeling like he had to hide his feelings because inside he was broken hearted. And I just, you know, I, so I started, as you said earlier, I started playing that song in my live shows, my solo live shows years later. And when it came time to do another single for Wicked Cool Records, that's Little Steven's great label, um, they said, why don't you do something like Garage Soul? And I thought around, I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and I thought well, wait a second, I've got you know, One Heartbeat, which I wrote for Smokey many years ago, maybe I could do a new version of that, like a more updated, up, up-tempo up version of The Tears of a Clown, which is what I did. And while recording that basic track, uh, I thought, well, why don't I, you know, strum around on this uh, Tears of a Clown and see if the band catches on. They did, and second take, we had that take, and yeah, there you are, man. That's what happened. And then soon after, I said, well, why didn't I just ask? I mean, the, you know, all he could say is yes or no. I mean, I, I'm prepared for that. See if Smokey <laughs> would come and sing a little bit. And much to my surprise and delight, he said yes. And so there we are. Unbelievable. And you can purchase that. You can get the uh, vinyl of that uh, on your website, brianray.com, right now. And it's very cool that you released it that way. And, that, you know, fans love that stuff. I think that it's so cool that vinyl is, um, you know, really something that people are latching back onto. And you can get that right now. And it's available. It was voted number one greatest song ever uh, over there. So that's not bad. That's pretty good praise. I just saw that on your website. It's been voted the greatest song ever. So. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, what a great, great station he runs and what a great uh, record label he runs. Little Stevens is a great A&R man. A lot of people wouldn't know that. But when it came time to record these new songs that I've been doing, he was on the phone with me and sending texts and emails about little arrangement changes and why don't you try this? And, oh, man, that's brilliant. I, you're almost there. Try this. You know, it was just like, it was so fun. You know, it was so, so fun. Uh, to be sort of, you know, guided by someone with as much experience and uh, as much good taste as he 
exhibit. So yeah, man, it was a real, real treat. Well, I've always been fascinated with kind of that era that you're talking about growing up in Southern California. I've always been like such a fan of the movie American Graffiti. And that's how I kind of learned about Wolfman Jack. And and my dad grew up down there and talking to him about the importance of that. And so for you, I mean, that's kind of a question I had for you is just kind of your musical upbringing. And I, and I know that you were like big into like the Beach Boys and who wouldn't be growing up in that era in Southern California where they were. And I just kind of find it very interesting, the, uh, the connections and, and things like that, that you, that you had. So kind of talk about kind of at what, at what age did this kind of all start clicking in for you? Well, you know, I, I was one of those guys who was just made for, uh, uh, rock and roll radio. You know, I mean, it was made for me, I should say, you know, I was just in, hook, line, and sinker from the very first notes of the first rock and roll songs I heard. And uh, those were like 45s like Hound Dog, uh, Heartbreak Hotel, um, uh, Kathy's Clown, uh, To Know Him Is To Love Him by the Teddy Bears, which was a very early production of Phil Spector's. I was just a sucker for all of it. Um, And I was lucky enough to be played these records by... Uh, my half-sister, Jean Ray, who went on to be a big folk star in a band called Jim and Jean out of the village in New York, uh, and uh, immortalized in the movie The Mighty Wind, A Mighty Wind, and also uh, uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, Jim and Jean are, have been written about and, and portrayed over the years. Anyway, she was my half-sister, and she's no longer with us, unfortunately, but she uh, was really inspirational to me and really uh, introduced me to the world of rock and roll. When I was a three and four year old boy, she would take me babysitting. She, 15 years my elder, was already into it. She was like a senior in high school. And man, it just was all going on at the same time. Uh, unbelievable. And what a, what a time it was. And I, you know, Brian, you, you've done you've done so much. I tell you, you know, uh, from from the studio work and, and the people you've worked with, like Etta James, and um, to even to people like Shakira, that uh, you've just done a lot of studio work. But in 2002, uh, your life kind of changed. Um, could put that mildly. Um, <laughs> you you wind up uh, playing with a, a man named Paul McCartney, and uh, for what I understand, this all kind of started with an appearance um, at the Super Bowl at Super Bowl 36, and kind of. 15 years later, here we are. Time is but a strange mistress. Can us kind of talk about how that came about and then how you wound up actually a part of, of this group? Yeah, uh, you're right. My life did change in a, in, in a phone mach- machine message. Um, a Monday night in 2002, uh, the first week of February, I'm there when the phone rings, thank God, because you could be anywhere. But uh, I was there and I picked up uh, a message from uh, from David Kahn, who was producing Paul McCartney, who asked if I would be interested in coming down to sort of have a meeting with him, just him, at his studio in Los Angeles. Uh, could I be there in a half hour? Uh, it was regarding the possibility of playing a song with Paul McCartney. And I just about lost my lower jaw on the ground, and uh, I said... I could be there in an hour. Would that be okay? And he said, sure. And the reason I asked for an extra half hour is because I was just too excited. I couldn't take it. So I needed to calm down for a minute. 
gather myself and then drive down there. So I had a half hour to kind of pull it together, and then I got down there. And we just sat around, had a really nice meeting, and, you know, it was a very low-pressure kind of a thing. Uh, and, you know, he just kind of watched me play guitar, and then he handed me a bass, and he watched me play some bass. And, uh, you know, the purpose was really just to hang with me, talk a little bit, see what my demeanor was like, and um, watch me, uh, my technique on guitar and, and on bass. And I guess that went well because, you know, he said, okay, I have a good feeling about this. I'm going to put your name for it. And he did. And I got a call the next day. Can you be on a plane to go play one song with Paul at the Super Bowl? Uh, as a warm up to the, uh, the Super Bowl game in 2002. And, you know, my life really did change. I thought that was going to be the end of it. But of course, I am 17 years later, and it was not, in fact, the end of it. Uh, in fact, it's only just the beginning. And as I look here, you guys are, um, you and this band, which are just, uh, you have been solidified, and you guys are, are really firing on all cylinders. And man, this is, uh, it's just, it's really cool to see. And you guys are getting ready to go out and do like a huge stadium tour. Not only in in South America, but back here in America, you got some arenas and then baseball stadiums coming up through through the summer and some football stadiums too. This is a, a huge undertaking, and uh, this begins here in uh, next month, March twentieth, in uh, Santiago. Yeah, sure does. It's exciting, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and you know, it's funny because obviously the 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 reach of Paul McCartney. It's so funny because you know we interview everyone on this show from members of Motley Crue and Kiss and Scorpions and Def Leppard and people that have played with great guitarists like Ted Nugent or you know been in Alice Cooper's band. And it's just this is one of those deals where you say like. Paul, Paul McCartney, it's a whole other level that he's so far reaching that it's like, I've always kind of wondered because the Beatles are obviously so, I mean, one of the most influential bands of all time. But when you go overseas and you do shows overseas, is there, is there a difference kind of to how Paul is perceived and the band is perceived? Is it, or is, is it pretty universal everywhere you go? It's universal everywhere you go. It's an amazing thing. You can watch an audience in Santiago, Chile, uh, sing along to every lyric of every song, even the deep tracks, they know it all, and uh, while as soon as they get back to their homes, they don't speak a, speak a, a lick of English. So, you know, language uh, has no boundaries when it comes to music. It is truly, uh, as the saying goes, you know, the universal language. So, um, yeah, you know, we're uh, we're lucky to be able to stand up there and watch. The reactions of people as these songs and memories of these songs flood through their expressions, you know? Well, in it, I think for you, I mean, it's kind of interesting, and I've always been kind of curious about artists like you that, that have so much going on, and you have, uh, you know, a, a solo project, you have the Bayonets, you have this, out, this uh, single that just came out. When it talks about personal, you know, gratification, um, where, where does it lie with you? Because... You're going to be, you know, standing inside of a 70,000-seat stadium here in just a few weeks with Paul McCartney, but yet you've done this really cool thing uh, with Smokey Robinson on your own. You have the, the band The Bayonets. Uh, is, is there a line there where you say, like, you know, the, the, the personal satisfaction comes from kind of one or the other, or is it just like everything kind of comes together and, and just makes uh, your career so worthwhile? I think it's the latter. You know, I, I am so, so blessed to to play with Paul McCartney and to still have his trust. 
uh, after 17 years together. And there's something very, very special about that. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, I hate to say the word blessed, but I am blessed uh, to be able to do that. And, and it's also a very satisfying endeavor. Uh, the shows are really exciting, and he gives it 128% every night, maybe 130. Uh, and, you know, it's just such a pleasure to be uh, counted among uh, the, the members of his band, which haven't been that many over his years, you know. Um, I'm one of them, and it's a, it's a big, big honor, and uh, I, I love him dearly. He's an amazing guy. Uh, no question about it. Um, before we let you go, of course, we got to ask. I brought up the the bayonets before. Um, what's going on there? Any any news you could share with us about uh, about the bayonets? Uh, bayonets. Well, for right now, I think uh, we're just on hiatus. Uh, I know Oliver, my partner in the bayonets, is doing some writing and some producing on his own, and obviously, I'm doing the same on my own. And you know, we we did something very very special, man. We had. Gosh, was it seven coolest songs in the world in a row? You know, which is a little crazy. And what, one of them was a Christmas song, yeah, and it wasn't on the album. But it was uh, an incredible run. And uh, it was very exciting and a super thrill and a super honor. And, you know, you never know. We could continue writing together and go for a couple of singles. You never know. Stay tuned. Absolutely, it's all out there, and uh, it's just congratulations on everything. And uh, again, the the single and all the information uh, can be found on your website, which is uh, brianray.com. Easy to remember, easy to find. Brian, we can't thank you enough, my friend. Best of luck. Uh, we'll see you out there somewhere. I'm going to try to make it out to one of these Paul shows, maybe in Vegas on the 29th, and uh, you know, hopefully everything goes well. Best of luck with the tour and the, and the single, my friend. Hey, thank you so much, man. Yeah, please do come out and. If you do, let me know you're coming, okay? Hey, I will do that, Brian. Thanks so much. I will be in touch for sure, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks so much.